0: This is the Sports Aid Vault with me, Tom Gale. And me, Dominic Mentor. We're so excited to welcome you to a Paralympic special of the podcast, where, as we do on this, as you know, regular listeners, we get that unique insight, but in particular, drawing on those Paralympic Tokyo Games, we're finding out some of the logistical challenges posed by a delayed Games and how the athletes were supported during this time, and of course, what it was like to compete without live crowds.
1: We'll hear more about the life of athletes in the Athletes' Village, celebrate the incredible performances and standout moments for Paralympics GB, and reflect on the reception they've received since coming back home. We will also discuss the impact of the shortened three-year cycle ahead of Paris 2024. Joining us for our special today are Alistair Donaldson and Fabian André.
0: Alistair, he's a Paralympic Talent and Development Manager at British Triathlon. He acts as the sport's operational lead for the Paralympic Games, where the para-triathlon team won one gold, one silver and one bronze medal. Alistair joined British Triathlon in 2013 and he leads the delivery of the Talent ID programmes, which is designed to identify the next generation of para-triathletes. Prior to this, he was an endurance coach at UK Athletics, which saw him working at the World University Games
1: and the Youth Olympics. Fabian is a T-34 wheelchair racer who made her Paralympics GB debut in Tokyo. She competed in the T-34 women's 100 metres and 800 metres, coming 5th and 4th respectively. Earlier this year, she won gold in the 100 metres and 800 metres at the World Para-Athletics European Championships.
0: Fascinatingly, Fabian was a highly successful swimmer, winning bronze and three silver medals at the Cerebral Palsy World Games in 2018. But then she switched to the wheelchair racing shortly afterwards. She's 24 years of age and works as a physiotherapist assistant at the Sussex Community NHS Foundation Trust. So Dom, we're a week on. It's all over, man. The Olympics has come and gone. The Paralympics has come and gone. GB, Paralympics GB, second in the medal table. What are the things that stood out for you from those Paralympic Games?
1: Um, I think the first thing is to shout out everybody you know all the support staff, all the athletes that contributed to such a great Paralympics for Paralympics GB. Um, in terms of personal highlights, um, I would say Kadina Cox and her double gold medal, medal winning performances and also Johnny Peacock really, really holding his own um, in his in his sprinting finals, um, even though he couldn't quite get the win, to be in amongst it and on that podium was really, really great to see. And shout out to our sort of podcast alumni, Louise Fiddy's, for her silver medal as well um, in the swimming in Paris, I mean.
0: Regular listeners will know you had your challenge of keepy uppies during the during lockdown. That's what kept you going. I'm just wondering, off the back of Tokyo 2020, have you
1: been inspired to take up any new disciplines? If anything interesting that you've seen? Oh, I'm still on my keepy uppies. I was still practicing, but I'd say in terms of watching, um, what really really captivated me. Obviously, I've got a vested interest in gymnastics obviously watching things like the athletics is always quite popular but one um that did pop up for me is the bmx um because the silver medalist kai white is um very much from where i'm from we're both from peckham i'm sure he doesn't live too far from me so seeing him really really shine you know i think they've donned him the prince of peckham now i'm not sure about that that might have to be me but i'll let him have it for this one um so it's really really great to see him shining and obviously with that big up bethany um as well who became um team gb's first ever olympic gold medalist in BMX
0: in terms of the parrot, the strength of the Paralympics movement how key for you and your awareness and appreciation of of these absolute superstars was was London 2012 key in that for you Dom in terms of that was the first time largely on a on a wide scale that we like to saw you so we got to see the likes of Ellie Simmons David Weir Dame Sarah Story become household names
1: hundred percent um i'm a big believer you know in in so many of these things that need more attention no matter what the cause is or or who the sort of people involved are um it's all about representation and if you can see something it's so so important for me as an athlete just genuinely being inspired by the way you know these para-athletes you know push through you know their disabilities to still be stars and whatever they do and still push um but more importantly, so for, you know, the younger generation of people that may have a disability, if they can see, you know, the greatness of these athletes competing at the Paralympics, it's going to inspire them to hopefully take up a sport in whatever sort of classification they would be in. And then that kind of feeds into the cycle of the next generation of great athletes um, in the Paralympics coming through, hopefully.
0: Completely agree. So, you know, I like my stats, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got some more for us? Yeah, I've got some killer sports aid alumni staff. Let's go. So at the Tokyo twenty twenty Olympic and Paralympic SportsAid alumni managed to return a stunning 141 medals across the two games as a whole. This includes 47 of Team GB's 65 medals and then 94 of Paralympics GB's 124 medals. So the rough maths works out as around 75% of the medals won by GB athletes across both
1: games were sports aid alumni. Unbelievable. I think you know if you had a uh... Any doubt or if you didn't know about the impact of sports aid and how key it is, I think a stat like that just crystallizes it all, you know, and it's so great to see that, you know, all the alumni and all, you know, the present people, you know, um, that are on the program at the moment that have been out in Tokyo have been able to deliver so much success. So long may sports aid continue and long may, you know, their success continue as well.
0: Okay, so let's get stuck into the pod. Let's welcome in Fabienne, who we said in the intro has been working full-time for the NHS during the pandemic. Of course, she had roughly three and a half weeks off. We can give her that for her successes out in Tokyo. But, Fabs, you were back to work on Wednesday.
2: Yeah, do you know what? I was just really excited to be going back. Um, One of the things when you're away is it's like living in another world, so it was really nice to get back to a bit of normality and just get back to what I love doing because I love sport but I also have other interests and it's just so important to have those other things to do so it's really exciting to get back and I work in a school as a physio assistant so I was really just looking forward to seeing everybody like before you go away you have to isolate as well and we've just been in a in a bubble so it's just so nice to get back and get back to that normality and seeing everyone and enjoying what we do.
0: And you're certainly not alone, Fabian, but you're one of these unique superstars. The fact that obviously we've all been experiencing difficulties courtesy of the pandemic, but you working at part of the NHS regularly throughout this and to have such a successful Games, how do you reflect on the past 18 months? Um,
2: I think it's the pandemic was unique, but I think I was in a really fortunate position in so many ways. Some people maybe wouldn't see it that way, but... I saw it as being in a really fortunate position because I still had that routine. I still had work. Um, Don't get me wrong. It was really hard and there was so much work and we were working so many hours because I was actually working in the hospital at the time of the pandemic. Um, And uh, but then at the same time, the kind of sport thing and the fact that I was able to adapt and have the support of sports aid to get the equipment to be able to adapt and everything to carry on was just so important. Having those two things, both work and sport, is what kept me going through through the, the kind of lockdown and through the pandemic. And I think the fact that I just stayed focused on both those things and was able to be supported to do so was just vital to... I wouldn't have been where I was if, if it hadn't have been for that, so... Um, and I wouldn't have made it to the Games.
0: Well, it's great to see that you're so humble. But yeah, hats off to yourself. It's an incredible achievement just getting there. And for all your work during the pandemic, as speaking on behalf of someone who's certainly benefited from the NHS.
1: And Alistair, obviously fresh back from Tokyo in your two leadership roles. Um, obviously a massive, massive success out in Tokyo with obviously paratriathlon and Paralympics GB. What was uh, preparations like out there? And how do you think you know it all in in terms of your assessment of everything?
3: um i suppose that's a pretty massive question there's there's lots and lots of parts to that um like i think i think the first thing i, I come across and I, and I think everyone who's been to the game said is just the absolute privilege to get the chance to go and do it in this you know in these times and when so much is restricted to to be able to help the athletes work towards what they've they've worked for you know yes is it four years is it five years but actually it's for a lifetime and um, and and to get the opportunity is was just was brilliant um, and the japanese people were amazing you know you hear before they don't we don't want people come in you know everyone the, the whole country doesn't want it. it that wasn't how it felt and um, we we started off by heading to miyazaki um a prefecture further south in japan which was our holding camp and um, our olympic team used the same holding camp um and we'd both gone through it in a, our test event in 2019 so it was somewhere we were really really familiar with um and they were just brilliant with us. Um, they were absolutely brilliant. You know, we we stayed in a in a big hotel. We we you know we ate on our own floor. We were kept you know in in our own areas, but we had the ability to go and ride bikes and go for runs, which is pretty fundamental to what we do as a sport. And um, so we didn't really feel like we were uh, we were particularly locked down. And I know you know others possibly didn't have that experience. So that was something that was just great for us and, and the whole purpose of going there was um to get you ready for that heat and humidity you know we are an endurance sport and endurance sports taking place outdoors in japan at that time of year are are subject to an awful lot of heat and an awful lot of humidity so um our plan from pretty much the time we touched down from the rio games was was to get ready for that heat that humidity and and you know our our physiologist our nutritionist across across both of our programs um just worked incredibly hard with our our coaching team and our logistics team and, and everything that goes into it to make sure our athletes you know in the way we've always said stood on the line best prepared to deliver their best um and 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 that's that's the case and that's that's what it was so it was as I say massive privilege but also there was an incredible amount of hard work went into to getting that but because of the hospitality or of, of the Japanese people, and um, and and how well our preparations went, you know, we had a fantastic camp. We felt in a great place. the uh, The, the mood in camp was was absolutely was absolutely brilliant. You know, it, there was not any feelings of what there's been, and it, it was just everyone was just waiting for that opportunity to
1: come out and uh, yeah, do their yeah. thing. <laughs> Honestly, um, like I say, we've sort of you know just looking back on the games across Olympics and Paralympics, I think. This sort of just year, it's sort of unheard of in terms of cycles, preparation and things like that. So it does lead me to believe, you know, if the athletes, the support staff, the leadership team like yourself can kind of get through such a bizarre time like this, you know, you can get through anything. And hopefully this next cycle will be, you know, a lot more, you know, calmer in terms of, you know, the pandemic and things like that. Hopefully it would have calmed down by then. But just in terms of that, the challenges, what do you think was like the biggest challenge in terms of preparing, especially like for that like the last sort of 18 months when that like the pandemic did kick in what was that like the hardest challenge
3: um it's really hard because every every athlete will be different um and and i i suppose i like to think of it from the athlete's perspective rather than just the paperwork perspective and the you know the, the, the boring stuff so to speak um i think the uncertainty was the thing that was that was most challenging you know um there was an awful lot when you know march last year when when it became apparent that that the world wasn't what we knew it was, and um, nobody really knew, but actually that decision at that point to delay the games a year gave everyone a bit of perspective. It um, it, it gave them the chance to sort of to breathe, really, and and actually it, it gave an awful lot of people opportunity. Um, at the same time, obviously it took opportunity away from some people, um, and you know there was there was people extremely unwell. There was people um, having to deal with you know with personal situations and family where where things were anything but okay um, from a purely athletics perspective it, it did give some athletes a chance to to crack on and train without worrying about racing and um, and you know you've seen that in an awful lot of sports where where performance levels have almost gone up because people haven't been worried about racing and they've just got solid working so there was definitely opportunity at the same time um, like <laughs> still not really knowing you know you, you're kind of going in um, and you're like, right? Is this definitely going to happen? Is it going to happen? You know, the nearer it got again, is it is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is it on? Is it off? You know, you 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 see the press, and once you see one thing saying it might not happen, you see a lot. So, just that uncertainty was was a real challenge. And I think probably being being really almost sort of blunt about it with going for the Paralympic Games, there was this little inkling in the back of like, what if the what if the Olympics goes wrong and COVID kicks off and they just go, Do you know what? I know it's only two weeks, but this isn't happening. Um, there was never a point that that was said, but th- there was definitely something in the back of an awful lot of people's minds that that could be the case. Um, now, again, absolute credit to the organisers and to the athletes and you know and, and staff across across the world for the Olympics because that didn't happen. Um, you know, un- unfortunately, COVID cases in Japan have been rising, um, but my understanding is that's not connected at all to the games, and you know, the Olympics went off without without any issues in that regard. So did the, so did the Paralympics and, you know, um, that was tough from a, I suppose, from an organisational point of view, just getting the COVID paperwork in place. And I think anyone trying to go on holiday at the moment is, is more than aware of tra- what it takes to get the COVID paperwork in place. But getting the COVID paperwork in place to be perfect for an entire team of staff and athletes who are not necessarily all based in the same place, and they've got to do this test at this time and this test at this time. And it's then got to get in the post and it's got to go there. Like the, from our perspective, um, Kate Schoen, who's who was sort of our in charge of our operations, the work she did to make sure that that, that flew was, was amazing. I, I was part of a group of four of us of staff who went out a day before the athletes. And in reality, we sailed through because the prep was done and it, you know, it, it speaks volumes. It's the same as sport. You do the prep. You know, you you get the results, but the amount to be done was just mind blowing. Um, and I, I can imagine there were certainly athletes out there. Um, Fabien may have, you know, be able to say as well. Like it was, it was mind blowing trying to get that done. But once it was done, you know, we were able to go and and have a fairly, like dare I say, normal experience. Um, other than a few masks, um, you know, um, I've never worn a mask so much, obviously. But uh, yeah. It, it was challenging, but you know there was opportunity, and again, it's that opportunity to do it better than anyone else. Um,
0: you know, and, and cope with it better, and that's that's one of the things you always try and look for what the opportunities are in these situations. So, Fabs, I think. From, you know, a coach, a parent, a guardian, an athlete's perspective, what Alistair's rightfully pointed out there, the uncertainty. We spoke to Louise Fiddy, shout out to Louise, who got a a silver medal in the swimming pool. And that was a big thing for her. Everything got stopped and she was unsure when she could get back in the pool. and, And that was a huge thing. But once it got the green light, things to get a bit smoother. For you having a normal job, as if we could say that, as working for the NHS during the pandemic, did that help you at all? The, I'm not for, for a second trying to think that you you forgot about Tokyo 2021, but because a key part of your routine and who you are is a regular worker, did that help you in terms of coping with, as Alice has talked about, potentially, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen?
2: Yeah, I think definitely. I think for me, like, like Alistair was saying, it was certainly the delay to the games was an opportunity because I wouldn't have been there if, if it wasn't delayed because um, I wasn't really in the sport by that point. So, um, having like starting competing in 2019 it was my first season, so it was a real opportunity for me. But I think the uncertainty was certainly one of the biggest challenges, but probably less so for me being a newcomer and not really expecting to be selected uh, at this point I was working towards 2024 so to get the opportunity and to be selected at this point was just an incredible thing for me Um, I think credit has to go to all the staff and the organisation behind it was immense and I think I maybe I can appreciate that a little bit more working in the NHS through the pandemic you go wow like we had to cancel so many caseloads for example just like that and you don't know when you're going to go back to things you don't know what's what's next um and I but I think that gave me appreciation for what needed to happen but it doesn't take away from the fact there is still uncertainty and I think that was one of the biggest things was trying to just avoid or stay away from the uncertainty but then at the same time for me being my first games I didn't have or I tried to look at it as though I didn't have the same pressure because I I just wanted to make the most of the opportunity and just build and grow as an athlete um I think kind of yeah it it's hard to say for sure kind of um that the uncertainty didn't impact me because I think I going getting closer to the games and doing all of the testing and trying to balance that around work my my work have been amazing because I've just had to do so many different things and and try and balance it's a real balancing act um but um kind of as you get closer you're just like I I just went in my head I was just saying well I'm not there until I haven't made it to a Paralympics until I'm on that start line until I'm racing because we had to be tested and do so many testings and you, you can control your controllables, but there are so many controllables that aren't there or that aren't in your control. Sorry. Um, And so I think it changed the perspective slightly for me of the games was just like, I'm going to make the most of all the opportunities. And as far as I get, like in this Games, it's still going to be a hugely valuable experience for me. And I think perhaps I can look at that in a different perspective to some athletes because I'm new into the sport. Um, but yeah, I think it was still really uncertain until you get on that start line. And it's just about keeping your head in the right space um, up to that point.
0: Do you think this is one of the huge takeaways for athletes as a whole, so across the Olympics and Paralympics, that athletes are all different, they all have their own nuances, but perhaps that appreciation, as Alice has talked about, for those largely unsung heroes behind the, the operational staff in terms of, because I think like everyone, they've had an experience like no one else in terms of administration, the whole approach to testing. I'm sure lots of athletes fully appreciate from the whole array, array of staff that they have at their disposal. But do you think that's maybe moving forward going to be a huge benefit that athletes that are maybe quite selfish and single-minded, now they have a bit more of an understanding of that whole package because they've all been called upon like never before?
2: Yeah, I hope, um, I hope and I believe that athletes will start to appreciate everything that goes on behind the scenes. And I think partly because you had to be involved as an athlete a bit more in all of the paperwork and all of the kind of doing all the testing and things like that but I think it will mean that or I hope it means that many more athletes just appreciate what the staff do to make it run as smoothly as it does and to make it feel the way it feels and I think even more so this time because we didn't have the crowds and I'm yet to race with a crowd so for me it didn't feel hugely different but for a lot of athletes it did and not having your family and friends there and, Like I say, it was hard and not having family and friends, but the fact that we were all together as a Paralympics GB team and we did have all of the staff that we had supporting us, um, the volunteers, uh, like Alistair mentioned, they were incredible and everyone out in Tokyo, all the volunteers that made it possible, they they couldn't do enough for you. And I think that was just incredibly welcoming.
0: Alistair. I'm going to ask you for your Tokyo standout moments. We already caveated the intro of what games the British tri had in terms of the para tri. Gold, silver and bronze winning the 1,000th Paralympic medal as part of that with George as well. So I think that's a given for you in terms of standout. Was there anything else that struck you from from being there in terms of performances you saw from other Paralympics GB athletes? That's (laughs) a question (laughs) and a half.
3: (coughs) The... um... Uh, what was it? Um I mean it it, it kinda of goes without saying like about what a what a fantastic games it was and you know those those medal winning performances you you highlighted for us. Um and actually just this is a... like George winning the thousandth medal was actually in cycling. So he won a medal in, in try and then he went and won a medal again in cycling. And and honestly for, for myself and a lot of others, that that probably it whether it's the one thousand medal or top, it's a cracking stat. I'll make sure I keep it in the background for uh, pub quizzes <laughs> in the uh, in the future. But it was just great, you know, from, I I first met George when he was sort of 16, 17, you know, to see a guy go and go to Rio, classifications were changed in his, um, sort of as our sport evolved, which meant he kind of went from being third in the world as a 17-year-old to being eight or nine minutes off the guys who who he was eventually racing, seeing him climb up through that and go, do you know what? They've got a completely different impairment to me, but I'm racing those guys now, and I'm going to go out and take it to them. That that was absolutely cracking, and it was such a highlight to see him not only do that, and and yes, he didn't he didn't win gold nurse in, um, in triathlon, um, because Martin Schultz who won. Um, and and Stefan Daniel, who were third, their races had to change and how they raced had to change because of what he did and because of how he changed the dynamic of that race. And to be able to then, you know, build and develop um, the ability to um, win a medal in cycling as well, you know, which is just is on the side was was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, actually, you know, being honest, there was so many bits. I think if I look outside of anything from ours, the wheelchair rugby winning, I think, was pretty special. Like, um, you know, you look at we we operate in a sport which we have some athletes who, you know, have some impairments which which are really, really challenging for them at times. But we don't have some of the level of impairment that they have, say, in in a wheelchair rugby. And, you know, for those guys who probably have had a, a great deal more challenges through the last eighteen months and you know, in terms of shielding and, and stuff like that. I think for them to come through, you know, as, you know, pretty much on the, on the back and and win that gold medal, I thought that was brilliant. I really did. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And it's great seeing team sports win. Like, don't get me wrong. It, it was great seeing, you know, swimming do so well. It was great seeing athletics doing so well. It was, you know, cycling every single person who went brought home a medal, um, you know, there was so many, you know, Penny Briscoe, as, as our chef de mission said, it was, a you know, you know what a, a great game. It's a fantastic a game changer because we won gold medals in more sports than ever before. Um, so it's hard to pick something out. But I
0: do think the wheelchair rugby was just, I, I felt it was a little bit special. And Fabs for you, obviously great time on the track. Uh, was there anything else away from the Olympic Stadium that stood out for you?
2: In terms of medals, or in terms of like
0: just anything, just I guess just the, from the get, yeah, you were there, you were there first hand potentially, and just something that really just made you turn your head and catch your eye.
2: I think the thing, um, the thing for me was like you go to, or I was fortunate enough to go to European Championships earlier in the year, and it's like just your sport. I think it was just incredible to be part of a bigger team, a wider team, where you've got the whole of Paralympics GB, and you get to mix with the other sports. I I used to swim, um, before I switched to athletics. So it was really nice to see teammates who have come up through and, and, um, swim at the Paralympics and also just mix with other sports as well. Cause I'm really passionate about trying other sports and I do some work with Parasport, um, Toyota Parasport. And, um, it's just really nice to be part of a wider team and, um, I think that was something that I hadn't really experienced before where you're all in the same apartment block. And I think it felt even more special because family and friends couldn't be there. And um, the way that everyone pulled together as a team and was celebrating just everybody's successes, be it medals or or, um, or just achieving what you've achieved, um, placings and being there and being part of that team.
1: And Aliso, just going back to the sort of preparation and Fabian, I'll bring you in as well. Obviously, when you're within a sort of Paralympics GB team going out to a Games in Tokyo with obviously all the COVID and um, all the sort of regulations and rules around... I'm I'm guessing there's a sort of massive fear on, you know, what if someone gets a positive test, who are they staying with? How would you track that back throughout the whole team? How did you kind of like deal with that sort of dynamic um, or was it just, you know, let's just sort of trust the process of what we've been doing, all the safety protocols we've been um, sort of implementing. And if that happens, we just cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I say, I think,
3: I know it's the latter, really like, you know, we, we had processes in place. We had, um, we had a team around us to sort of check and challenge us and to make sure, you know, you you almost get into this you can almost get into this sort of slightly relaxed environment where you're like, you know, you you kind of, you know, it was such a good team of that, you, you almost forget what's going on around you. So um we just, you know, we we checked we checked and challenged and made sure that we 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 stayed true to what we'd said and and we minimized the the opportunity for that to happen, you know. It did happen to other teams, you know. Um, across across both Olympics and Paralympics, and and that's incredibly difficult to to deal with if it happens. Um, and we'd gone through, and we knew from a staff perspective who could fill in, who could move this, who could move that. You know what would happen. We tried to understand as well as we could. You know what would happen if people were, were you know sort of were identified as close contacts and they were in on reduced. And yeah, it's just a case of making sure you've thought through what would happen um but in reality you stick to your processes you stick to what you've stuck to you know it's in in many ways it's it's normal life for us now to to stick to covid protocols and and the athletes were extremely used to that um and you know and, and at the end of the day they didn't, they didn't want to go and um lose their opportunity to the games you know to get to compete just because they wanted to spend time closer to someone or whatever everyone everyone's there for the same purpose so it actually wasn't it didn't feel that big a thing. Like, it's it's at the back of the mind going, oh, please don't let this happen. Um, of course it is. But yeah, it was, you know, if you stick, as you say, to your processes, you've got a good chance of of, of being right. And then if you have to deal with it, you, you just have to deal with it and you have to be agile and, and you have to be calm about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Fabian, just going to you as well, um, as an athlete, just thinking about the games, I did always think like, what if like your training, everything's getting good, like night before the event. Cause I'm, um, I kind of imagine that you maybe had to have like a test, like within 24 hours or something like that. And it just comes up back positive. And like all the work you've been doing for like the past, you know, for some people, four years, some people, three, some people, two, so on and so forth. Your kind of opportunity has gone like that and you don't even know how it's gone. And you just have to accept that, like, did that kind of play into your mind a lot or was it, again, like Alistair said, just following the protocols as hard as you can and hopefully, you know, you won't have to deal with that?
2: Um, I feel like it was interesting because I was thinking about this and actually the protocols before we went felt harder than the protocols once you were there because everybody was doing the same thing and you were ju- you were just kind of it became part of your routine you got up and you did your test and you you were doing all these things around the protocols to keep you safe while you were moving around and I think or eating drinking but I think um I think like some for some people that absolutely would have been a worry and a thing on their mind for me I was just like do you know what I'm doing all I can and I think that was the thing about where I was in a fortunate position going with no expectations, but to get as much experience as I could and just try and do my best and perform my best. And I think, um, in terms of the, you could spend time worrying about it, but then you're taking your mind away from your process and your preparation. So it's just like, a bit like Alistair said, you deal with it when you come to it. Before we went away, we were made aware of, of what the protocols would be and we were updated with what they were when we were out there um, should should the worst happen. But I think you can't really focus on that. And I think there's so many other things that are in your mind and on your mind and you're kind of staying in, in your space and um, getting yourself prepped that it just... It was credit to the staff and credit to the processes that had been really well thought through that it became part of the routine and it didn't really take away. Um, obviously, unless you had to think about the worst, then it um, didn't really take away from your, your preparation.
1: and you know like you said you know preparations were smooth and you know um, obviously all the people from the support staff to the staff out in Tokyo um, obviously organising the event made it all smooth and you were competing in the T-34 100 metres and 800 metres competing in the same races as Hannah Cockcroft and Kerry Adenegan. Hannah went on to win two goals and Kerry claimed two silvers in those races does competing against the likes of those two really, really push you on? And what kind of lessons have you learned um, from that whole experience in general?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm really fortunate because they are based in the UK as well. And to have the three of us in the final um, from Team GB was amazing. The fact that we um, are all from Team GB means that we all race each other um, like frequently at home. So, um, yeah, it's just spurred me on to kind of... I to be honest it was just incredible to be that close to the medals that some people say like fourth place or fifth place is like the worst places to come but for me I was just really happy to know yeah actually in comparison to the rest of the world and the rest of the field I know where I am in relation to um, those girls but I think um, it's just building on that and like getting getting kind of it just made me really hungry for more to know that like, that's where I was in the world at this point, And I've got loads of things to go away and work on. I've had that really valuable experience because there's so much you can't um, learn from, without just being there and being a part of it. Um, it comes from competition experience. And I think, yeah, just just to, to place where I placed and be that close um, to like the medals just makes me go, yeah, okay, maybe I, maybe I, I, not maybe, I do need to start believing that I can be there and I can be on that podium in a few years' time.
1: I
0: was going to say, I think obviously we'll talk to Alistair about Talent ID because that's part, a huge part of his role. But for you, um, Fabs, when you were first told, right, okay, let's, Put the swimming to a side and let's get you on the track. How, how did that conversation, like, what was it, obviously, were you spotted and was it an easy conversation? Were you resistant to it? Obviously, now you've proved that you, you're you a star, aren't you? You are capable of, of meddling in this event in future years. But how was that initial conversation and transition into a new, a completely new sport?
2: Um. So it kind of came about in in a slightly strange way. Um, I well, not a strange way, but I was um, at the Cerebral Palsy World Games uh, swimming for England, and I'd kind of I was really enjoying swimming, but then it got to a point where I felt there was a lot of pressure to perform. But I was also looking at where I was placed in in the world rankings for kind of Great Britain, and and I was thinking. I'm not enjoying this because I'm putting too much pressure on myself and I want to enjoy the sport. And I just got to a point where I was like, actually, I just I need a new challenge. I want to try something new. I Going out to the CPU World Games and, and swimming there was incredible and I did incredibly well. But then it just opened up a wealth of sports I wasn't aware of um, and I didn't really know about because I got into sport quite late. Um, and I actually decided at that point initially that I wanted to do a triathlon. I wanted to sw- just do as many sports as I could and combine swimming with some other sports, so that was my initial initial goal. So when I came back from there in 2018, um, I tried loads of different sports actually, but Um, I was invited back to the Weirachter Academy and I still swam at that point so I was swimming and still competing but um, then once I'd joined the Weirachter Academy and done a bit of training it it was like actually you could be quite good at this so you need to make a decision what you're going to do are you going to swim or are you going to like go go over to the track and I think by that point, I just had a fire in me and I just wanted to see where I could go. I wanted to learn something new and um still keen at some point to try hand cycling. And I still want to do a triathlon okay. at some point, but wow. I don't know when, not not yet, not yet.
0: Well, I was going to say, I'm sure Alice is sort of just suddenly thinking the cogs are going there, isn't he? And thinking maybe not, you know, what is it, Los Angeles or whatever, I've got myself in my neck. But for you, Alistair, I suppose you maybe have a range of conversations, don't you? And I, is it something that's exclusive to Paralympic uh, disciplines as regards to there is quite a bit of flux, isn't there? You talked about George there in terms of obviously, yes, cycling is one of the disciplines of para tri. But those regular conversations I'm sure you're having as regards to people who may be involved in para sports and maybe just offering them a different a different light, which maybe they're more acceptable of, because I think maybe sometimes with Olympics, it's like, right, I'm a swimmer from age four. The thought of doing something else never changes my mind. Is there a bit more of an embrace aptitude you've found in terms of para sport?
3: I mean, th- there is certainly, you know, there's a, there is an awful lot more crossover. And um, you do you do see it on the Olympic side. Um, you see it particularly in the the sort of the snow sports and you know the, the skeleton and stuff like that. Um an awful lot of the successful guys from Skeleton have come through an athletic background. Um Rebecca Romero moved from rowing into to cycling very successfully. Um, but it's certainly not as as successful. Um, whereas you look um, you look on the Paralympic side and you know, Sarah Story, Jodie Cundy both started off as as swimmers and moved into cycling. Um and there's an enormous number. You know, I working within triathlon, you know, the, the nature of it is we are three sports. Like we are three sports, so so most people have come through some background like that. And again, you have that on an Olympic side, you know, you look at Alex Yi obviously um guests we've, yes, we've had on this podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> indeed just uh, a little check there for you to look back to the last podcast um but um yeah it's you know if, if we look at the athletes in in our in our team you know a lot of them in, in terms of us we, we owe great credit to other sports and the development they've done for them and you know in the same way i suppose that for cycling, George's development has all come in triathlon, but he's he's been able to realise that some of that in cycling as well. Um but you know we look at um Dave Ellis who who extremely unfortunately had a, a snap chain at the Paralympics and, and didn't get the chance to deliver, you know, and, and show the world quite what an outstanding athlete he he is. But um he he grew up through swimming. Um, he's also a very, very talented runner. Um, uh, we have Lauren who Who won a gold? Lauren grew up as a swimmer and moved to triathlon in 2012. Um, After after London Games, Claire Cashmore, who was third in the same race, um, has been to four previous games as a swimmer. Um, She was gold medal in Rio and then moved into triathlon and and medaled again. And you know, I think there's. I I work, you know, um, closely not just with the constituent sports, but but across all the sports, and there, there is a big. A big transference, and I think once you see it, the old thing of you know you've you've got to see it to be it, and and people see other athletes moving across, um and and see that opportunity, um and, and try it, and you know possibly the you know in, in terms of Paralympic sports, the offering at, at younger ages potentially isn't quite as as strong as it is on the Olympic side, um. So athletes maybe don't, you know, as, as Fabian said, she, she maybe didn't have the exposure to other sports and opportunities to her um, until she got a little bit older. So, you know, from, from my end, it's something that is is incredibly important. Um, you know, my my day-to-day job is, is as pathway manager and I'm bringing people into our pathway and I'd, I'd be crazy not to recognise, um, you know, the work done in other sports for that, but also the opportunity for people in other sports to come, you know, if they are not quite making it, they don't quite feel it, um, to move, not, not just to triathlon. I mean, from my perspective, that would be brilliant, but, um, you know, to, to, to move in and, and try other sports so that actually, you know, the work that they've done in a sport, if, if we develop an athlete, you know, our, our aim is always to develop them as much as a person as we can. Yes, of course, we want to develop their athletic potential, but we want to develop what they're going to do as a person um, either alongside their athletic career or after their athletic career. Um, and we want to see them be successful and happy as people. Um, and if that's not going to be in triathlon, but that could be in another sport, then, you know, from my end, we would always try and encourage that and, and support them. And and that's where I would just pick up the phone to a colleague and say, look, this athlete's not got our, the opportunity really in our sport to, you know, almost deliver the success that that their hard work and, and dedication um, deserves, but we, we, and they think they could have an opportunity in your sport, and um, and and the more we can do that as sports, and the more we can talk. Um, from my end, first and foremost, it's good for athletes, um, and it's good for people, and and that's really important. Rather than, you know, there is a, a context then that that can help Paralympics GB to be more successful. But I think first and foremost, it's it's about giving athletes opportunity to to put put to use the uh, the hard work they they put in you know across across years and years and years and
1: and all the sort of the choices they make in life to to push themselves towards being the best they can be and a big thing, a big conversation around sort of Paralympics, Paralympic sports um, and obviously the whole spectacle of the event is um, it being seen, you know, more people tuning in after the Olympics, making sure we tune in and we show support for the Paralympics. But the sport is growing, you know, through events like um, the London Marathon, obviously legendary athletes like Tany Grey Thompson. What does like the sort of additional sort of promotion of the sport and the more exposure, you know, the sport's being given, especially on that big Paralympics page? stage do for you first as an athlete Fabian and also you Alistair um in your role as um in that sort of leadership role as well so we'll go to you first Fabian if that's okay
2: I think like um like I said I came into sport quite late I didn't really realize there was a place for me in sport um and I wish I'd found it earlier because it's been the making of me like um like Alistair said it within sport um, if you find the right coaches and the right people and the right team around you, they, they look out for you as the person, as the athlete, not just in relation to the sport. But actually, that exposure to the opportunities that sport can provide, it's, it then becomes a social thing. It becomes part of your life and part of you. Um, but I think the exposure is just so important for, um, for like people to realise what's out there. And the sooner people realise what's out there, the sooner they can try things, have fun and enjoy it. Like I've always said, or any any sport I've done, um, and I've always had the mindset that, like, I'm just going to enjoy what I do and anything else that comes from it is a bonus. And that's just the, the most important thing for me personally. Um, and I think if you can showcase the sport in that way or or the sport in terms of the Paralympics and things and all the different things out there then people will start to realise there's people like me out there doing doing sport doing things that I could enjoy as well
1: 100% just for me I think a big word I kind of use is sort of representation and if you can see someone who's kind of like you you know has a disability um or anything like that and they're doing amazing things it inspires the next person and the next person and the next person I think that's so so key um Alistair yeah. in your in your sort of position as sort of um in that sort of leadership roles for para and obviously in the Paralympics team I'm sure that sort of helps sort of future generations in terms of talent pools and things like that as well oh I mean undoubtedly there's you know Obviously, we, you don't get the same
3: coverage as the Olympic site does, but the, the move forward of that, you know, it was pretty much wall-to-wall coverage from Channel 4 this time. Um, and that's, that's just brilliant because, you know, in, in Rio, Rio was our first games um, and we basically got, you know, a couple of images of people going across the line and, and 10 minutes on the radio and that was it. Um, whereas this time we got pretty much live coverage of, of all the races and and that just gives people, yeah the chance to see what a great you know from our perspective what a great sport paratriathlon is, but also just what great sports and sporting spectacles things are like as a you know i've I've grown up as I'm sure we all have as just sports fans, and I just love i love sport, and we actually in the end we didn't have anyone compete in our um what's classed as the p t w c race, so the wheelchair category within tri. um but we had the opportunity then to sit and watch live the most extraordinary race, where two people with different um, levels of impairment and who start um, actually start four minutes apart, so that they the aim is that they cross the line at the same time. They literally cross the line at the same time, and the close in the home straight was phenomenal. And there was not a closer finish in any sport anywhere across across both games. And like that's what sport is, you know. There's the times when you've got the guys who go out and absolutely crush it, you know, and and then there's so you know, the Sarah stories where you just see the absolute dominance of an athlete who just does it again and again and again. Um and that is brilliant to see, but also seeing those real moments is that's what lights a spark in people. That's what makes people excited. Um, you know, and, and obviously I got extremely excited watching um our guys who who delivered their you know their very best performances and and it allows yeah you've got to see it to be it and and that's that's what we saw across across all the games and and showing people opportunity um and and hopefully it will you know not just within para but across all paralympic sports it just gives people that opportunity and and i suppose also for for parents of of kids it's it lets them see you know do you know what there's a, there's a world of opportunities and things out there um and if we go and find it that's you know there's no reason that um because you have an impairment, you can't do sport, and you can't have an absolutely amazing time and learn massive life lessons. Because sports brilliant, and
0: and that's the thing that's fun. Let's avoid the cliche. But is is this a golden time, Alistair, in terms of off the back of Rio and now off the back of Tokyo, where it's so visible in the fact that the games are barely a week old? And is it important for you to hit that ground running in terms of maybe tapping into people who've seen the likes of Fabs or from you know George or Lawrence and, and and to capitalise on that? undoubted motivation and desire to get involved in somehow, because I understand if you've not already, you're going to be going up to events in, in the next coming weeks, aren't you? Just to continue that continuous next generation looking out for people.
3: It is. Yeah. I mean, the the first thing for me, when I got off the plane, I had a few days with, with my family, um, and, and my we'll little girls. That. That's understandable. Phenomenal. <laughs> That's that, that was, that was pretty cool. But actually we had, um, the school games was on, um, and I was able on the, the Saturday afternoon to pop along and, and watch some competitive stuff of that. And we had that as a, a very much a, a new generation, new athletes coming in. And it was it was pretty cool within a week to have seen the pinnacle of our sport and then see the next generation of kids who had watched that, you know, and were then having their own, you know, having their own go. Um, that was awesome. Like, and just seeing um, some, some young athletes just giving everything and, you know, Trying to live up to the, you know, the athletes they've been watching, um, but yeah, you know, from our perspective, um, I suppose we're, we're always open. But yeah, we are. If anyone is interested, if they uh, go onto British Triathlons website and uh, go to get involved, and then getting into para triathlon, they can um, they can sign up to, you know, find out more um, and, and discover more about the sport, and discover if it's something they want to to have a go at. And the beauty of our sport is that you do get to do three in one, so it never gets boring um and you can you know if somebody uses that as a starting point they may find that it's you know that it is um it's running or it's cycling or or it's swimming that is it's where they actually you know get to succeed but it's um at the same time if they've done those other sports and they now want an opportunity to to see how well that can convert into a triathlon then it's it's a great opportunity and and we would love to see like we'd love to see everyone who has the slightest inkling of an opportunity and an interest to, to come and get involved, um, you know, and, and and see what it is. And, you know, I'm sure colleagues in other sports are, are in the same I'm boat. I'm sure
0: there's huge breadth to your job, but if you can, if you can try and surmise it, you've alluded to it in brief about maybe communication with other sports across so swimming and cycling, I'm assuming a key contacts for you, but how do you approach talent identification? Like you say, is it people who are ready-made at the school games who are perhaps already on the pathway or how do you approach someone who, you know, in terms of other sporting events, and what do you look for? And thinking, actually, have you ever thought about para Um,
3: I think the the key is having a bit of variety in terms of it, and 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 probably and probably in case there is anyone from the other sports listing, I definitely don't go into no other poaching, sports yeah. just go up <laughs> yeah, and tap on exactly the athletes.
1: Um, <laughs>
3: that's that's not something that goes down particularly well, um, and also is not like the best way to do it. If you know they're Some of it is speaking to to other sports when athletes perhaps are leaving a pathway um, or or leaving a world-class program and, you know, the athletes come through. So we would work with the likes of the English Institute of Sport Pathways team um, at that time, or or again, the same, um, you know, in in the other home nations um, and see what athletes, if they want opportunity and and stuff like that. So there's working in that. Um, They're running their from home to the games program at the moment and, and which I think is literally just closing or is just closed. Um, and that's a, a whole, that's sort of the pretty much all Paralympic sports working together to to see um, who's out there and what opportunities they might get. Um, you know, in my role, the the opportunity to have someone who turns up, who's ready-made would be absolutely fantastic, but it doesn't happen very often when you've got three sports in one. Um, there There have been occasional people who have, Who've turned up and uh, and and been pretty good to go pretty quickly, but it um, it does take a bit of time. Um, that's again part of the great thing of sport. You've got to work at something, you know. You've got to persevere. You've got to um, you've got to take your opportunities when they come, and then you've you've got to be patient. Um, so we just try and look at, at anyone. We look at you know we we run our that sort of from home to the games. We run our own talent ID events where we bring people in and and sort of just look at where they are. Um, and then try and guide them. You know, not everyone who comes to you straight away is going to be ready. Um, uh, so Hannah Moore, who, um, who's very much been a, a sports aid athlete, um, came to us initially in uh, early 2017. Um, and at that time we didn't feel she was ready to move onto our pathway. Um, we said, like, you've, you've got opportunity, look in your local clubs, develop yourself, keep working. And she did. and And she worked through the year and, like and actually by, by twenty eighteen she was world champion because she went away and, and did it and she, she converted incredibly quickly in, in a, a fantastic way. Um so you know, you do get sides of that and actually Alison Peasgood, who um finished like you know, a hair's breadth from from winning a medal in, in Tokyo and had won the silver um in our PTVI class in Rio, she likewise when she first came along, I think in twenty eleven wasn't quite ready. Wasn't in the right place. Came back in 2013, and then went on to win a world title, win Pan um silver medal. So it goes through different stages, and, and perseverance is always really, really key. So I'm probably not saying it in that. You, you said in a few
0: words and um, sort of identify it, and I probably well, not I done think that it's, it's good to, well. to articulate um, the complex because I think that's the thing. You know, I'm trying to avoid cliches here, but you know, you talented footballer on a field, you spot them, they get them into the club. Or, you know, particularly the Olympic and Paralympic sports are very different from that, but exclusively the para sport there. But it's it's great. And as you've rightfully pointed out, if anyone's listening or hearing this, the British Triathlon website is your port of call. You can find Alistair's details. And, Fabs, you're a classic example of Alistair rightfully talking about and how quickly things can progress, can't you? Someone who's, in the space of two years, gone from a relative, well, a newbie, <laughs> a new discipline, to now being a fourth and fifth place at a Paralympic Games all athletes we ask this question of the next Olympic cycle Paris is going to come around so much quicker um obviously you're in a huge be- huge better place in terms of having a games under your belt what's your thoughts now in looking ahead to 2024?
2: Yeah I think um having games under my belt at this point is just incredible and um will stand me in really good stead going forwards um the experience as I say you learn so much and everything is transferable but every sport is also different and there's differences across everything so um like looking ahead I'm just I've like since coming back I landed back on Sunday I'm back in work but I've got a little bit of a break and then um I'm just really looking forward to going back to training putting in the work and then seeing what other opportunities come hopefully I'll um have the opportunity to do a few more races we've got um, actually it's the first time that the T34s have been put into the Commonwealth Games next year um, and then after that I think we've got um, like there'll be world championships back out in Japan and European championships and then Paris is just around the corner really so it's just keeping working hard and building on everything I've like gained from the experience and up until now um carrying on getting as much competition experience as i can um and putting in the good winter's training uh and we'll see where it goes
1: for sure that sort of you know you alluded to it there how quickly things turn around you know for yourself commonwealth games european championships world championships and then obviously we go again for the biggest dance of them all in paris um how you know how does that sort of shorter cycle i'll go to you first alistair on this does that shorter cycle kind of change preparations? Are there sort of adjustments that you'll make in terms of preparations for certain competitions, or do you kind of just kind of let it be more of a sort of natural adjustment rather than okay, change this, change this, change this, change this, if that kind of makes sense?
3: Um, I think so. I mean, I don't I think the biggest difference probably in it's for athletes and and to be honest, for staff and and particularly for the likes of Paralympics GB and 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 uh and, and the BOA staff is is the absolutely ridiculous turnaround from those guys. You know, they've they've come back from the games and they've got they've got Beijing winter games straight away. Um but from our end, you know, normally after the, the four years, some athletes would look at, you know, having a bit of extended downtime and, and a bit more relaxed and just trying to Yeah, just take it all in and 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 let themselves recover sort of mentally and physically and, and that's a little bit reduced. Um the nature of of the world with the pandemic changes it as well, because we've got our European champs in two weeks, and um, we still don't know if we have our World champs at the beginning of November or not. And um, they would normally be done. We've got some other races, and and with the way our you know with sports work and rankings and getting qualifications, so it, it does change it. We again have a commie games next year um, for our our visually impaired classes, and um, so that's going to be a pretty awesome opportunity to to showcase the sport to. You know to the to the british public really um but it's from a, a talent perspective it certainly shortens the window um for people to you know to make that conversion um this time round, fran brown and michael taylor had both both come in sort of at the beginning of this cycle and um both you know competed really well at, um in out in Tokyo but it, it does shorten that cycle because by the time you get them in the door and get them moving and get through and you know our, our recruitment towards that's already begun but to be honest some of that's towards LA as well so it'll differ I suppose the and short is it'll differ for every athlete um, and it'll differ for every sport and how they're structured we have worlds and Europeans every single year so there's an opportunity therefore to to mark your progress and develop and and, and see how you move on Um and, you know, there are those people like like Fabienne and, and she's highlighted so well of how, well, the games being in 21 gave her an opportunity. And if they'd been in 20, she wouldn't have had it. So actually probably goes into a better place in Paris than if it had been, you know, a four-year cycle. And there'll be there'll be loads of athletes like that. And um, as I say, Michael Taylor and our squad would, would be exactly the same as that. You know, he's had that opportunity, might not have had. So when he goes, you know, when he goes again in Paris, he'll, he'll have so much more experience and validity. So, yeah, it, it it will really vary, but it's the one thing you keep happening. It's only three years away. It's only three years away. You watch every post-games interview. It's only three years away. Ah, I might keep going. And it, it just tempts people into keeping going because, you know, it's it's such a drug just yeah. to compete yeah. At that Yeah, like,
1: you know, like I kind of think about it as well, um, just from an athlete's point of view, you know, there's always going to be positives and negatives. On the sort of positive side, you can say, think, okay, three years, it kind of increases your sense of kind of urgency, um, like having one year less to kind of like prepare and develop, but um, also you can kind of think, oh, it's one less year to kind of develop and things like that. And you know, what could I have sort of what strides could I have made in that year if you know everything had been sort of normal? So to say, in terms, Fabs, in terms of your kind of mindset towards it, do you kind of think like, okay, three years it kind of increases your sense of urgency, or you know, if you could change the hands of time, would you have maybe had a maybe an extra year to kind of really further develop in um, your sort of classification and in your sport?
2: Do you know what I think like for me when I entered the sport and when I entered the kind of pathways and things with British athletics I was on the pathway for 2024 so this has all been a bonus so in some ways I carry on my preparation but just slightly more informed and with a breadth more experience than I would have otherwise had so for me it's only a bonus to have been able to do that and three years, four years, you're going to put in the same work and try and progress as much as you can. Um, and like, it's just, I guess for me, that's where I, I value having such great coaches and a such great support team around me. Um, and it's just about keeping that and developing that as it goes through. I think going it like going forward, I think it does kind of balancing work will will get a challenge and um like this year my work's been incredible and really supportive of like allowing me to work some of the time and have time off to to compete I think that's the the next thing to look at but um but like in terms of the the plans and the training I put that trust into my coaches and my team around me um because for me I want to be in a position where I can just put in the work to do the absolute best I can. And we progress based on based on how that's going. Um, And so, yeah, I'm just really grateful for like the Weir Atro Academy, my coach, Jenny and Jake and David Weir, who just support me in that. Um, And that's down to where like the staff need the acknowledgement because actually it does make it trickier for them. They need to make sure that we're getting everything we can in that shorter space of time.
1: Hundred percent. And sort of just going forward for the next three year cycle, you know, do you, you know, plan to continue with the work on the side with the NHS and, you know, being a physiotherapy assistant? Do you plan to kind of continue with all of that as well?
2: Absolutely. I think um I find that working makes me much more focused in training. So you have something to switch off of. Like when you're when you're working as well, um, you're not always thinking about your sport. You have to think about something different. But you can develop as a person alongside both in sport but also out of sport because I think if the pandemic taught us anything, you never know what's going to happen and you never know if that that Games is going to go ahead or, or whatever. So you have to have other things going on. And I think that's what's really helped me to be where I am in the sport already and and now is just because I have those like two different
1: strands to my bow, if you like. Um, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. No, no, I 100% hear you.
0: And Fabs, it, it's great to speak to you basically on the rise. You know, we're hopeful that there's going to be so many more successful things for you to come from your career. But we wanted to take a little moment to reflect on someone who you can relate to incredibly well, which is the end of their journey, and that's Ellie Simmons. So she did announce her retirement. Interesting enough, I was just watching back the video from 2012, just that roar in the swimming pool when she was coming oh, home and winning that gold medal. Still send, yeah, still sending shivers down my spine as I talk about it now. But yeah. for you, as as Alistair and you have rightly pointed out, it's that scene, you can believe it and you can believe it. That was your entry into the sport, wasn't it? You saw her, you wanted to get into swimming, you had your successes there. So how do you reflect on her incredible career and now that she's decided to step away?
2: I think, do you know what, There's there's so many or there's a few athletes that have made such an impact on Paralympic sport as a whole and just become the face of the Paralympics so for swimming it's like Ellie Simmons and um, for track you've got like David Weir and they 20, 2012 and their achievements in 2012 were just a platform for for the development of para sport, and I think it's just incredible like the in 2012 was the first games I'd ever seen was the first time I'd seen like disability sport um and I was actually there in the at the poolside watching um and when I was thinking back about it the other day it's just like wow I I was there 12 years like in 2012 sorry and I like 2020 I'm competing in a completely different sport to what I would have imagined but in a different sport nonetheless and coming back to what what Ellie's achieved is just incredible and I think once you're I saw something yesterday once you're a Paralympian you're always a Paralympian and no one can take that away and what she's done for the sport in her time is incredible and I think it's really important to know when your time is right something she said is you you just know when your time is right and it's bit like Dave retiring from the track um you you know when you've made that development when you've made that impact on the sport so it can continue to progress and um things can continue to to kind of improve for everybody and um just open up opportunity
0: well, it's great to hear firsthand the legacy and full effect that Ellie Simmons leaves. Certainly speaking on behalf of Sports Aid, we can't thank her enough in terms of from day dot from receiving Sports Aid Awards. She's always been a constant communicator with us as an organization, always turning up and supporting and no doubt speaking to people like yourself on their pathway and their journey. So she's definitely earned it. Well, well done, Ellie. Put your feet up, uh, you go, girl. Just do whatever's next. But Alice, this is part of how it all works, though, isn't it? We talked about David Weir there, Ellie Simmons, and you at the the other end. Arguably, are trying to identify those next heroes and well, those next potential medalists and superstars. It's great to have successful people, but you always need that new influx and for para Tri growing as a whole. That's hopefully how you guys are going to create your own legacy with your Lauren Steadman's. You know, and moving forward, always having those tangible heroes to say, look, they did it. And now let's find the next one who can be alongside them. And in future years, when they step aside, take over the reins. Yeah. I think that, you know, you, you saw it. Like I I think Ellie's such, such a fantastic
3: example because, you know, you saw Ellie Robinson come through, you saw Maisie come through and, you know, all these people that were inspired in that, in that one category. And it wasn't just that they came through and replaced her. They came through and were alongside her and they learned from her and, 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 you know, they moved on and like, when you have someone who who does transcend, you know, their sport and transcends Paralympic sport like that, um, it really boosts so much. And, you know, for us, like, you know, it's not a case of getting, right, here's Lauren, who's the next Lauren. It's like who can work alongside? Who can race alongside Lauren and Claire? Like, you know, those those as two of our athletes who have raced incredibly. I mean, they they actually went to school together um and have have raced against each other. Um, but who's who are the next people who can race alongside them and learn from them and and start you know trying to get up to their level and then and then pushing on to the next level because that's what it's about you know in the same way you know George was such a a young lad really in in our sport when he came through you know who's who's the next guy who wants to be like George Peasgood and who can learn from him because you know I I know um you know, the, the guys in our sport are, are incredibly keen to to see the next generation come through and they're such a great team of people to to work with each other, you know, and to to sort of, not quite to hold hands because I think it, it's not quite that, it's just to show them the way, you know what, this is how hard I work, this is what I do to get there, um, this is how I race, but also a sport like paratriathlon, there's, there's a lot of, like there can be a lot of adaptations and, and different bits and pieces because you're competing through the swim the bike and the run so how do you set up your your bike when you don't have a hand that can you know you've gone you've got one hand instead of two um or when you've got um cerebral palsy and you've you've got two hands but they don't have the same function how do you do that and actually the the work between athletes the how you work on your leg prosthetics to make them most effective because it's not just how you swim bike and run but it's how you transition between them as well and and the the teamwork we've always seen between between athletes and between athletes and guides and working together that's that's such a key part and that's what we would love to see people come in and and learn from this current generation of successful athletes and push them to be even better you know I would love um someone who can come in and push George and push George and push him on so that it's those two guys who are you know um from a British perspective that are that are fighting for the top spot in in Paris or or, or in LA or, or, or even in Brisbane um, because, you know, we've, we've got that opportunity. So yeah, that, that for me is, is what inspiration can do. It's not just about what you see in them do, but it's being alongside them. Um, and I say, that's what you saw. I think that's what Ellie really, really brought. And um, she's just brought through an entire generation of particularly actually of, of people in her class. Um, and they've been so successful off the back of that. And, and you can see how sort of proud she is of of the people who have who've come in and off the back of her success.
1: You know, like we've mentioned, it's all about, you know, the current generation getting that inspiration from the likes of Ellie Simmons. They then take on, you know, what Ellie Simmons has then built. They run with it as far as they can. You, you know, Alistair, in your position, then finding the next generation who are then going to take over and so on and so forth. So it can just become that sort of never-ending cycle of hopefully more successful you know paratriathlon and hopefully Paralympics GB um, as a whole for you know many cycles to come Fabienne, Alissa we just want to thank you so so much for coming on the podcast thank you for sharing so much insight with us and we truly, truly appreciate your time and we wish you the best going forward um, for Paris 2024 and beyond
2: thank you
0: and thank you, listener, once again. You can again find out more about SportsAid's work and the athletes that they support by visiting sportsaid.org.uk or dropping us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at Team TeamSportsAid.
1: The SportsAid podcast is produced with Hogarth Worldwide and Gramercy Park Studios, and our theme music is courtesy of Vidal Riley again, so big up to him. You can check out his latest releases on Spotify.
0: Man, I can't stop... Man, I can't
2: stop. Man, I can't stop.